everybody. So welcome to another episode of the Austin Elijah Summer Podcast. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't think that'd make you laugh. Sorry, Kennedy was dancing. So, all right. So we'll just go around the table. So Austin, you can start. Yeah, uh, I'm Austin. I'm sure you've, uh, if you've listened to the podcast before, you've heard my voice. And to my left, we have uh, Burke. I'm Cole. I'm Kennedy. I'm Lydia. I'm Natalie. I'm Elise. And we're here to talk about some... <laughs> events, current events, social issues. So yeah, we assembled this group together to have a great conversation today. We're like the Avengers. I we're like we're like, like the Avengers. I like that. Yeah, I, I like that. And I got the Superman or the Captain the- America shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you might want to go back and edit that. One. Yeah, yeah. edit that one out. <laughs> you guys yeah. always say that, but yeah, but yeah, we never do. Exactly. <laughs> never do. All right, so let's get it started. So, Cole and Kennedy. You guys uh, started a petition to change the Macintosh uh, name and mascot. So you guys want to go into that a little bit? Oh, and we need to say Sahana. Oh, yeah, Sahana too. Shout out. Yeah, she definitely did. Um, So Sahana was going into, like, the history of our school name, the Macintosh Chiefs, and found out that the legacy of Chief Macintosh wasn't really worth celebrating, but also that they're kind of having a Native American as a mascot kind of breeds a dangerous environment for people actually of that racial group, I guess you could say, because, I mean, I can imagine how it would feel if someone who looked like me was my school mascot. I, I wouldn't really feel comfortable in that space whatsoever. And I mean, if that goes for a lot of people, that's definitely something valid and something that needs to be reconsidered. And about Chief McIntosh himself, uh, he was a slave owner. He had two plantations. He, um, during a war, he shot artillery into a can, I mean, into a fort that was housing 300 freed slaves, escaped slaves, and Native Americans. So it's a little excessive in my book. And then he also ceded Creek land to the government against the you know, wishes of the Creek people, which led to him being formally renounced by the uh, Southern Creek tribe, and then also... I, if I believe, I think he was scalped and then uh, killed. So they don't celebrate him, and I don't think we should. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this, well, this petition is about change. We want to kind of follow the precedent of the Washington Redskins and all the, not all, but some of the Serb companies who have decided to change their name, like Aunt Jemima or Mrs. Butterworth, because of the, the racial history behind their brand. And I know a lot, we have, I would say like a pretty good amount of people who have signed, which makes me happy. But I do know that a lot of them have also signed just on principle, you know, like I acknowledge that this is something bad and I want it to change. And whether it changes or not, I still want to be the person who recognized this wrong. Right. Which I think is the most important part, because honestly, with the addition of the new uh, murals at Macintosh, it's an uphill battle. (laughs) I think the most important thing is we get this mainstream we make yeah. people recognize it so down the line when the murals aren't so new and people are a little more aware here in this you know deep red county then i think we might have a shot at changing things in the future yeah. so we're kind of bernie sandersing it <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely um a legal side that we have to come together to address because macintosh chiefs on everything mm-hmm. that's true do you guys face any backlash for it 
not as of yet, but I have. I, <laughs> I, I, have. Have. I, have. I have heard a lot of stuff. I had backlash come the last time we were filming the podcast. Yeah, like, yeah. I got a lot of people arguing in there. They just don't like. Do they I mean, just think it's like something not worth fighting for, or is it like? Well, they think it'll just never happen, so they don't see a reason to try. Well, so from the people that I've talked to who've like complained about the the petition, they think like from what I've heard, it's kind of like they think. Their argument is that the Chiefs isn't offensive, but it's not really your decision whether it's offensive because it, you're not the person that it's appropriating. Right. So, you know, and there's a lot of a lot of people at our school that kind of make that argument, and I just I don't think that's a valid argument. So I know I've because I put it on my story and everything and shared it, and people were like, and I also talked about the Redskins changing their name, and there was one guy who was like, oh, so I guess we're not. Well, it was before the. The year guys just came out, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, because we're not gonna be the Chiefs anymore. And I'm like, give me like five good reasons why we should be the Chiefs, or why this team should still be called the Redskins. Like, it doesn't like it doesn't hurt to change, especially when it's something that's racist and it's appropriating a culture. Like, it's just, yeah. And there's a fine line between like representation and appropriation, because like true. I was yeah. seeing this some stuff about um, a group of white people who were making a petition, like, uh, in some, like, some video games or whatever, there was, like, a Hispanic, like, Mexican-themed, like, area in the game or whatever with, like, and it was very typical, like, stereotypical, like, Hispanic stuff, like sombreros and, and Day of the Dead and that kind of stuff. And so these white people started a petition about it, and then all these Hispanic people were like, no, we like being represented the way that we are here. And so, you know... There's a difference between people, you know, having their culture like abused basically and then having it represented. And I think with Macintosh, you know, I think that we could probably use a change. So, um, and something that I think is like really important to like incorporate within the petition is like people that are signing it. I need them to understand that it's going to take like a really long time, like, it's not going to be in like the foreseeable future. Especially with how like how many things in Macintosh say Macintosh <laughs> Chiefs. Like I mean, like think about the athletic where like, you know, we have them like engraved on things. So I think that like keep pushing even though we might not even see the end goal. We might be like thirty, forty years old and we're all seventeen right now. So I think that that's something to really keep in keep in view. Yeah. And the fact that this is our senior year, like right. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. yeah. So we're kind of reaching the end but i do like that this is something that we've kind of left i hope it gets picked up and continued but i mean i'm not really one to say yeah i think the biggest arguments i've had against it we are at uh, 686 signers right now um people are telling me that i'm trying to be a white savior and uh speaking out (laughs) on behalf of native americans people tell me it's too expensive and i actually had someone tell me that the chiefs could refer to anything it could be a chief in command or an executive doesn't have to represent Native Americans. I'm like, man, we have a totem pole. In our <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a statue of an Indian said, chief man. like out of a football stadium. That, yes, uh-huh. there is. I had to move that one day after practice. It was tough to move. It's a big, big statue. Big it looks it's pretty solid. Move. Yeah, it's it pretty solid. solid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I definitely the name. I feel like I can I can kind of understand an argument against it's the, the imagery that goes along yeah. with it. Yeah. That but, is but problematic. The name Macintosh, like I don't know why we're honoring that guy with, with our school. Well it's our it's the land he sold is where Fayette County is. So that's why we okay. honor him. 
Very I, honored. I don't know. Yeah. It's, quotes. Air quotes. Yeah, I can't see those air quotes. I just honored. think the whole thing, Macintosh needs to change. And I guess we're the ones who need to start that, whether we see the end of it or not. Yeah. So anything else? Anybody want to go to the next topic? I mean, that kind of like plays into the next topic. I think it's the one with uh, yeah. the monuments. Yeah, yeah. change. So like, yeah, continuing yeah. on it's change. It's just like, you know, you don't want to completely with cancel culture and everything. Like, you don't want to see, like, with our history, don't want to see it go away and it never gets brought up again. Uh, but you also don't want to celebrate. Like, you want to see it in an apologetic way and we want to learn from it. And I think, you know, you look at, like, the state of Alabama, you have Robert E. Lee High School and it's right. 90% African-American. It's like... Well, like, what's and like, we celebrate Martin Luther King Day here in January, and like, they celebrate Robert E. Lee Day. So it's like, while wait, you, time out. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's a thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a thing. It is yeah. Robert E. Lee. Alabama. Yeah. Alabama. <laughs> I know. So Miss Harbison, she was an English teacher this wow. year. Wow. She was talking wow. about Robert E. Lee because she grew up in Alabama. So like, they they that's celebrated that. Robert E. Lee Day in school. So and it's like if you. Like, you travel to, like, let's say Germany, like, a, a country that has, like, a dark uh, history or an evil history. Like, it's not that they, like, have, like, tuned it out and, like, they don't pay attention at all. But they also don't have monuments, like, out celebrating, like... Adolf Hitler. You don't have You don't have a Joseph Goebbels high school. Things, and they have things that celebrate the victims of that atrocity so that we don't forget it. And they spend a whole year teaching the Holocaust in yeah. uh, German public schools. So I think oh, we weird. have to find a way to, like, even with our school, be more apologetic in the way that we present our past. Because yeah. it'll forever be our past, not yeah. that we can change it. And I think that effort that you're speaking of should be collective, definitely, because... What we don't want to happen is that whole guilt thing. We just want um, acknowledgement and then closure. Like we don't, we don't want to harp on making anyone feel like the villain. We just want to make sure that, you know, we're all on the same page. Right. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say like I, I don't know what kind of monuments you guys have been seeing, but like I feel like every single time I'm like, I, I don't know, a historical site, and mm -hmm. I see like this person that like shouldn't be i don't want to say like honored in the way that they are yeah but like they're very they are made to be glorified right. in a way like then i think like they kind of they, they push it to the back mm -hmm. where they're like i mean like all that stuff about like shoot who's that president that everyone was like oh he had a lot of slaves like, good Jackson. dude Andrew good Jackson. dude or no teddy rose was it no i don't know that's not know. him one of the, I'm going to sound really stupid. No, I no. It was, it was, it was, it was, I mean, there, yeah, there could a be a lot of presidents yeah. that you might be referring to. more than one. <laughs> but, Valley like, Hills, everyone yeah. was like, dude, great dude, great dude. He did, yeah. you know, he had some slaves. Not a good, not a good part of him, but overall, we should be looking up to this guy. And it's like, well, yeah, but you can't push it to the back burner. Yeah. Right. You got to, like, understand that it's, this is a whole whole person that we're talking about yeah, right you have yeah. to acknowledge all of their mm -hmm. characteristics not just the good parts and, and you have to acknowledge them equally so one of the important parts about the statues that you have to because like people are arguing that these statues are for remembering history and taking down the statues will help erase it well i guess this but is going so to our next the purpose in these statues a lot of them were created like between 1920 and 1960 by the daughters of the confederacy yes i was going to talk about <laughs> yeah, that oh yeah, my god you can, you can take it away no okay so going off of what austin just said like the daughters of the confederate i don't know if you guys have heard of this but like the lost cause is 
basically like the biggest instance of historical revisionism that we have had. And so the Daughters of the Confederacy, they saw that the veterans that fought in the Civil War, their their grandparents or what you may, were about to die. And they didn't want their children or the next generation coming up to not know what the Civil War was or know who their grandpappy was or what he stood for. And so the daughters wanted to erect these monuments. And I don't want to say sinister, but I mean, the connotation is kind of right on the nose. Like they taught that the Civil War was the war of Northern aggression. They taught that to their children. They, and I think like the people that we're seeing today who brandish the Confederate flag and who like use it as this thing that is amazing and is glorifiable our people are our products of what the Daughters of Confederacy did. And knowing that history should kind of shine a light on why these statues aren't really as genuine as people like to think. Well, so, I mean, uh, I would argue that the Daughters of the Confederacy, like, I mean, because they revised textbooks and everything. They did. I mean, they did. And like through the 70s, like, I mean, they had an enormous impact on education in the South and everything. So, I mean, they really basically rewrote history for a lot of kids growing up in the South for a long time. Yeah, they had like standards. It was like people on the board. There's a Vox video that I'm getting pretty much all this information from. But people on the board for textbooks that were to be given to students, they had like a, I don't want to say a checklist, but pretty much keywords that if they saw in the book, they would completely X them out and they wouldn't be in the library. And they wanted specific phrases that gave a positive connotation to the Civil War and favored the South. I mean, we were even taught in eighth grade history that it was a war of states' rights. Right. There's the state uh-huh. right to have slaves. <laughs> oh, which is... Yeah, which that's crazy because in Illinois, we learned about it like before I moved and they were always like, it's a war about slavery. And then when we got to eighth grade, they were like, no, it was about states' rights. They were yeah. like, it didn't have to do anything with slavery. And when like people, like you'll see uh, a shirt like in the South have the Confederate flag and be like, oh, like you support this, but like, no, the common response is, oh, it's just Southern pride. Southern like, heritage, yeah. man. It's yeah. just from the South. And so, like, where did we start? To, like, why has it always been, like, oh, all it was was the North versus the South. Yeah. And, like, the South is us. Like, and like thing, that, I don't think that was, I don't like think it was just the North sport, versus basically, South. Yeah. Almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, another thing about the Confederate flag, that's not even the real flag. Yeah. Like, that, so they had, like. flag, isn't it? it? No, it's, like, the Confederate flag that we know with, like, the like the eggs and the stars it's not the real confederate flag that was from birth of a nation which was a super racist oh my movie gosh. birth of a nation played such a big part in the changing of the narrative yeah because yeah. it's a move it's a movie that um hero well it has the hero of the movie is the ku klux klan and it they're saving four white people and four white women from these savage african-americans who so we were talking. Yeah, you got to do that voiceover, like in the middle. Like we need a good intro. We had a good intro, but then my thing overheated. Oh, music. That yeah, sounds so did. familiar. What is that from? I don't know. I'm making it up, but I'm glad that I just copyrighted somebody. Are we back on? Yeah, we're oh. oh, we're back on. Oh, literally right now. We're recording. Oh, okay. good segue, guys. Hello. <laughs> so we have like the Eric Andre music, dude. All right, so we're back. And we were talking about uh, Confederate statues and, uh, oh, I was talking about Birth of a Nation. See, yeah, Birth of a Nation was a huge deal back in like the 1910s, 20s, I believe. 
And like Woodrow Wilson called it like a masterpiece and it was shown in the White House and it's a really racist movie. It was shown in air conditioned theaters, which was huge for the time. And uh, yeah, so we were talking about how the Confederate flag that everybody knows now is not the Confederate flag that was used in battle. It was like, I forgot what it looked like, it, but I'll find a picture. I think it looks Wasn't like the Georgia flag. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, I saw someone post an article, and it's like the Georgia flag looks like what the actual Confederate flag looks like. It's is, like similar. Yeah, isn't the like the actual oh, yeah, the crossbar really like just in the it's corner like the somewhere? Corner, and then there's like, I think there's like a circle it's like star. This. Yeah. It's like this. Right yeah, yeah, it's like that. And oh. the Georgia flag is like that exact thing, and it has something in the middle of it, I think. But I don't know. So, so, like so the exactly. Southern pride that we see on the back of shirts, is it really even tied to the real thing? No. All those uh, license plate truck things yeah, you see with the, the oh, flag. Red flag on it, those not hurt me. Like, not even the real flag. It's, uh, it's from a movie. <laughs> and I think, I think the fact that it comes from The Birth of a Nation, because The Birth of a Nation is a hurtful movie. Oh. It does a lot to kind of defame black americans particularly black men because and criminalize them because they're only seen as like these ravishing people that are on their only um goal in life is to rape white women oh and and it was in in blackface too which is even more hurtful so so the fact that your confederate flag is tied to that it's even more hurtful it's worse i guess so Um, oh sorry something that i wanted to bring up because i found that this is something that's like very like prevalent in conversations that I have with people. It's kind of back to the monuments, but what's the difference between acknowledging and honoring? Because whenever I'm like, well, I really do think that we need to take down Confederate monuments, they're like, you're trying to rewrite history. And I'm like, I still think that we should acknowledge it, but I feel like there's definitely a blurred line between like acknowledging and honoring, and especially during these times when we're talking about, you know, history and bringing down monuments, I think that we really need to like make a distinct yeah separation between that so for me it goes back to like the apologetic like being apologetic about it and i think like take the city of birmingham for instance like you have confederate monuments like spread out throughout the city just like honoring like maybe we find a central location for a bunch of these confederate monuments and we make this like some apologetic museum but we're not destroying these monuments we're like allowing people to see them but we allow them to see the atrocities that were brought about yeah i think i don't want to say changing the narrative but framing these confederate statues that people so dearly want to protect in their actual context like what these people actually did and i mean let's not separate the good from the bad let's have them both there so that people can make their own decisions about the character of these people but when we have that there like the true context then i think there's room for acknowledge both acknowledgement and I guess if you want to glorify them personally you can but it also like contributes to the apologetic part. I think they go back to like the revisionist history is that like we only show like the good side or the bad side of right. history. And I don't think it should so be like that. People have a skewed perception of what happened and it's not true history it's just this narrative that someone's pushing. It. Yeah. So a lot of it just goes back to education I guess. We need yeah. to make sure that in the future we educate things in the right like Candy said, like the right frame. You don't need to change the narrative for something to make sure it's in the right context. Yeah. So I think education is the hardest thing to break. Yeah. Yeah. That really is yeah. the thing that leads to ignorance. And then going, having to go against what the Dogs of Confederacy tried to push or did push for so long, that's going to take a lot of work. Yeah. The ignorance is crazy. 
Uh, I, no, because I was watching it. It was Hot Ones, like the Hot Wings. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. Hot Ones. And uh, it was Bill Burr, oh, and he was talking Burr. about uh, the Colin Kaepernick situation. However, it's like, oh, my, my brother fighting in Iraq. It's like, it's not about that. It's about police brutality. Like, it's not a, like, nobody's saying your brother doesn't fight in Iraq. Nobody's saying that, like, he doesn't love the country. Like, it's about police brutality. And, like, that's, it's the ignorance that is showing, like, that people are so, like, up to arms, and but they don't read into what's going on, or they don't realize what's going on. Yeah, and I saw this thing that, like, apparently, I don't, before Colin Kaepernick kneeled on the field, there was a white guy who did it, and he was kneeling because he said against abortion and stuff like that, and people were hailing him as a hero. So yes. Colin Kaepernick's not even the first one, first football player to kneel on a field for some sort of cause. Right. But he gets a lot of backlash. It's just not the cause that they want. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I do have a question. When you grew yeah. up that fro, I knew he was serious. Because <laughs> <laughs> know your rights can't actually like that. Yeah, that but great. kind of going off of what you were saying about how uh, kneeling isn't really about, um, you know, trying to detest people who are fighting for our country. Uh, I had like a brief conversation about like the meaning of the flag and its attachments and then how people are reacting to like BLM protesters burning the flag and stuff. And um, the person that I was having the conversation with was saying that they don't support the Black Lives Matter movement because of those actions, because them destroying the flag is them destroying what it symbolizes. And what it symbolizes is people who are fighting for America. And while I, I did acknowledge that, I was also posing the question that, well, if the flag is this big symbol, it can't only symbolize our troops it has to also symbolize the systems that we're fighting against so i was just wondering what you guys thoughts on that was i don't know i feel the whole thing about the flag i feel like a lot of times the same people who are like don't burn flags the same people who wear american flags and stuff like that and you're really yeah. not supposed to no, like, yeah. like putting flags on the wall is yeah you're not supposed to wear flags and you're like, not supposed to put like flags never... below your waist i think Something yeah, like no, you're like, like it's, you can't hold it in a specific way. I remember because my dad is military, and he was like teaching me like just don't disrespect the flag. And it's it's like you can't pick and choose what you want to be disrespectful. Like if you're gonna wear it as like a thong bikini and be like, oh, this is honoring the flag, but like <laughs> stepping on it is just too much for you. Like you can't you can't pick pick and choose what's what's disrespectful. It's not a flag code or something like that? Pretty sure there yeah. is. I know you you can't get to fold in a triangle pattern if you can't fold it any other way. Like yeah. that in scouts. Yeah. And I think people that like choose what parts to highlight the Black Lives Matter movement, like only like the you know, the violent part, like, you know, burning things and things like that, are looking at it in a completely wrong manner anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can't look at a movement only on the parts like that people disagree with. Like like the violent or like looting or things like that. And I think that like people that say that rioting doesn't change anything is, I, I think that like just making it aware is something that's already happening. You know what I mean? People before knew that police brutality was a problem, but it was mainly only people like the black community that only really were like caring about it. You know what I mean? Like you didn't always see um, such a large diversity like um, at protests. I mean, here in the PG City protest, I saw people that I'd like actually never seen before. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Or I never thought they would come to a protest, things like that. You know what I mean? So I think just acknowledging like, and seeing with, I think we need to see the beauty in the whole movement, not just one part or right. different parts of the movement, if that makes sense. 
that's not like when close. Like if you're gonna judge the protesters by their most violent acts and like by the most violent ones, then you also have to judge the cops by the most violent cops. Right. Like you mm-hmm. can't like yeah. saying so you can't pick and choose your that's fair. So going to the next one. So Asheville, North Carolina approved of uh, reparations in form of opportunity. So funding jobs and homes and et cetera. Do you want to explain that again, Bert? Yeah, for yeah. yeah. So the city of Asheville, like, they're kind of the first one at the forefront. They're, they approved a series of reparations um, to African-Americans, um, which many would uh, like kind of that headline, I guess, would allow would lead you to believe like they're just giving these cash payments and whatnot. Um, so that's what I thought when I first read it. But it's really that they're uh, finally investing in housing and jobs and several different opportunities to enhance communities. And I thought that was like kind of interesting that they put the tag of reparations on it because part of me is like they're just doing that for like the political like. Like, yeah, right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's like, but really, in all honesty, like, they're just doing the right thing. Like, they're finally caring for people. And it's like, I don't want, like, the government caring for people, like, for once to, like, get all this fame recognition because that's what's supposed to be. Like, government is for the people. But it's also, like, it's a great thing that they're doing. So, yeah, yeah I, I just thought that was it. I like that you point that out, like, how we don't necessarily need to celebrate. Asheville because they're doing something that they should have done a long time ago because I think definitely with that tag they're going to get a lot of attention mm-hmm. and I don't know if we should <clears throat> withhold celebration or if we should just acknowledge it and then say okay this is the framework everyone else needs to do this too yeah like the reallocation of money is basically like what I was talking to them about earlier was like basically about defunding the police. Like, they want to reallocate money to different parts of, like, the community, which is what they're calling reparations in Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. If, I mean, I don't want to, like, misrepresent people who have different views under the whole defunding umbrella. No, definitely. But for me, I definitely think that defunding, the biggest factor in that is reallocation. And so if we could have people that see Asheville and then see the kind of parallel that should be drawn, I think it'd be a lot easier to have this whole investing in different communities actually happen. Anyone else have anything to say? Um, I just said, like, one thing I talked about, like, in the massacre series is just, like, you have to see people as, like, having this intrinsic value, and it's, like, especially for communities that have been left behind for so long, you have to say, all right, now we're finally going to give you this, like, we're going to put money into jobs, into housing, and we're going to, like, make sure you're okay. Yes. And, like, see the whole person. Um, and I just think, like, like it's, like, finally. And, like, I don't I don't want it to be misconstrued by the language you put. Yeah. I can tell you, like, Andrew Yang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my only concern with this reparations is that it's coming, I don't want to say late, but it's definitely far from when that actual acts were happening and when people were crying out in the beginning now it's way along down the line but the same story goes for like housing segregation and discrimination and then the fair housing act of 1968 i believe like it was supposed to do the right thing but it didn't because people were so stuck in their ways with just discriminating against people of color trying to move into these communities and so i'm kind of scared honestly that 
this investment won't really be as good as we want it to be. I think it's interesting. I saw, I'm seeing this type of investment in parts, in parts of Africa too. I watched a, an amazing speech from the president of Ghana who was talking about how while they appreciate the money they get from the French government, they want to invest in bringing um, or keeping black people in Ghana. We're talking about how the greatest resource is human people and that they need to, I don't know, I, it was, it was, I can't say it as well as he did. He's pretty much saying, let's try to keep our people here so we can expand ourselves rather than relying on other people to come in and do it for us. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was a really interesting way to look at it because I don't think that's really a mainstream view yet. I'm interested to see how that goes. Yeah, no. So going to the next one, we have third party voting and not voting for the lesser two, not voting for the lesser of two evils. <laughs> Anybody want to start that one off? I think. Well, okay, write-ins, I think, are a waste of your vote. Please, 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 even if both of them are bad, pick your poison. Yeah, so I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I disagree. No, I like this. I like this. I like this. I love that, like, the group that we have here today, because I think we represent, like, different social backgrounds. We represent a lot of different opinions, which I think is really cool that we're having this conversation. Definitely. So that's what I'm pointing out. But, um, like... I don't like I don't think that stands for anything, you know, like and I hate that like it's especially like voting on first election I have to choose between Joe Biden <laughs> yeah. and Trump. Like I don't yeah. I don't believe in voting for the lesser of two evils because where do you draw the line there? It's like someone should have to earn your vote, you know? Like someone you should have to believe in what they're saying and like not because if you're picking lesser of two evils, you're still picking evil. It's like I don't know, I feel like they should have to earn your vote. I think, okay, so this was, like, one thing that I kind of, like, ran into when I was, like, like doing my research and, like, mm-hmm. figuring out who I wanted to vote for. I, like, who I, like, most agreed with was an independent party. And I was, like, oh, a little conundrum here. Uh-huh. I'm <laughs> getting myself into a sticky situation. And, and I had to think, you know, like, I was, like, do I want to vote for this person who I definitely most agree with, but knowing that he's not going to win. Yeah. And knowing that this, that it's not going to amount to anything. I don't want to go, I don't want my voice to be pushed into this spot where it's not going to be heard. And so like with that, obviously I think I'm leading up to my choice. It's very obvious what I chose, but, um, I like that's the whole like vote for Kanye thing. Like that's if you write it Kanye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't even give me Like don't don't vote for Kanye. Like <laughs> don't do it. Like those unless you really like do agree. But like but uh, if you if you okay. If you agree with Kanye but you don't agree with President Trump, then there's an immediate conflict because a vote for Kanye is a vote for Trump. Exactly. Yeah. That's, like, that's the same thing. Yeah. And he 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 publicly showed his endorsement of our incumbent. So like mm. <laughs> I mean, I'm like down the middle about like third party voting because I feel like yeah, it's kind of a almost a wasted vote, but also if neither the candidates are what you really want to see in your government, then you should be able to vote for third party. And I think the problem is that like voting third party is not a mainstream thing. I think people yeah. are scared to do that. 
So that's why third party candidates rarely are like ever win because right. everyone's like third party voting. That's so a wasted can... vote. Yeah. yeah. But I think if people saw that as more of like I don't know, just like another option, and also that as like a valid option in voting, people would be more likely to also vote third party. Like even like not if let's just say things get worse all right like <laughs> how how bad is it gonna get where your <laughs> two main parties are just authoritarian awful people and and you still choose you you feel pressured into having to choose one of them okay so with that do you think that the situation matters like the current situation that we're in maybe it's a little gray area but the example that you gave authoritarian okay maybe obviously third party yeah like i think that i mean obviously no and right now is it's a, like you said a gray area like let's say and like if there's some kind of dude i'm gonna dig myself into a hole here go for but, it fine, yeah. whew, how many people are gonna hear this podcast <laughs> <laughs> like we had a hundred uh, don't tell him that. Don't tell him. Don't tell him. Probably five or six. Yeah. Um, if, if you if if it's this, if it's a situation where it's just you are in the pits of hell and it, you got to choose somebody or the other, and at that point, you know, it's you can't win. Once there's like a choke, place of no return. What is that? Um, point of no return. <laughs> place no return. Win. Then. <laughs> Let me let me correct myself. Um, I, if you're at that place of no point of point of no return, um, <laughs> you you, you I, I just hope, they would say I you hope say. that third party becomes more mainstream. Okay. I really hope it does. I think there are some great people in there and people that because the power hasn't gotten to them yet, mm-hmm. I think that makes them even more desirable because they're more representative of what we believe too. Like, but we aren't there yet. And I think that's important to point out is that, like, hopefully in the future we can look back and be like, oh, we should have been able to choose this person because this person is best fit for the job. But unfortunately, with that right now, it's not it's not going to be a thing. I would love to encourage, like, third party voting. And I would love to, like, I would love to say you don't have to pick one or the other. Right? Yeah. But I, for the time being, it's not like that. Or at least I don't think it is. Anybody can feel free to be like, oh, no. Well, I think but- for third party voting to become mainstream, people just have to be confident in their own choices. People have to do it now. Right. I mean, I like what Burke said earlier because it really kind of gave like this sacredness to your vote, your personal vote. And like it kind of helps you retain your power. And so I completely respect that. And if you want a third party vote, go for it. But I just, I can't say that I know what the outcome will be because I definitely don't. I mean, stocks, they're unpredictable. I think elections are equally unpredictable, but like, I think we know that it's going to come down to two. Yeah. And so really what is the most constructive thing? It's just like about saying how, like, how true do you want to state a democracy? Like people show up to the ballot box. I bet it's a very higher, like, a, I bet it's a higher number than we think of people who show up to the ballot box and choose a candidate because of the party that they're in. 
and they have, they have no idea. What oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I know and that my mom at, like, does that, and I hate it and so like, much. That's what I'm getting. It's like, <laughs> vote for something that you actually believe in. Right. Yes. Don't just vote out to follow. Vote. Don't like this guy. Don't like this guy. Vote blue, oh, this no guy. matter who. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, they say vote blue no matter who. That's where oh, Joe Biden comes yeah, in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. That's where Joe Biden comes in. I mean, I mean, he has sexual assault claims against him. He signed some of the worst bills in the Senate. I mean, he doesn't have a great voting history. And the yeah. fact that, like, um, Biden and Trump kind of are similar in the sexual assault cases, it's really, like, tough. it's really tough. <laughs> it's really tough because, like, you can't say that he's better because they both fall in the same basket. All right. This is the argument that when you vote for Biden, you're voting for Ruth, Bader's, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's replacement. Right, because she just she's fighting cancer. Yeah, hold on, mm-hmm. hold on, hold on. I know you're white knuckling it. Yeah. hold on, man. I was telling Talise, John Lewis is gone. Yeah, when RBG is gone, oh, dude, I don't. It's like the last ties of progression <laughs> are just gonna be gone from this <laughs> earth, and it's really gonna be all on us. Yeah, I mean, historically, third party candidates have been blamed for like election losses. You look at uh, yeah. Bush, Gore, Nader. Blame, uh, Ralph Nader for Al Gore's loss in uh, like Florida. And I don't think it should be like that. Like, it's not, they, I think third party candidates are really brave for getting into this election. And it's not that they're an impedance or an obstacle to a victory. They just want to get voted. Like, right. you're just admitting Al Gore wasn't that good of a candidate since he lost the vote. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If anything, it like does better because just the people didn't want him because they didn't vote for him. Exactly. It's a better vote, reflection. Because we're voting who we want to represent us. Right. And there's the electoral not who we don't, Yeah, and not yeah. who we don't not want to represent like, Yeah. So, but, going on. Oh, my bad. Oh, no, sorry. You just mentioned the Electoral College, and I'm like, how, how do we feel about that? <laughs> yeah. I think that's a thumbs up. Everybody just go, man. I kind of like the Electoral College. Like, why? Because I think if you take it away, like, you, like, not, I'm not saying you completely take away the votes of, like, let's say farmers in the med- Midwest or, like, some of rural America. Because, I mean, most of America now is living more, like, urban lifestyles. Or, like, there's huge, like, if you take away the electoral college, like, for me, the big cities in California and New York decide the election every year. I feel like you completely take yeah, away well, a lot of the voice of the Midwest good. and farmers, like, things like that. So. It is a bit, I do see that electoral college is kind of opposed like, a bit of equity or equality, I'm not sure the difference, but like, you know, kind of trying to even out the scales. Mm-hmm. Like it does have its flaws, obviously, yeah. but like, but it's there for a reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like, imagine being a Republican in California. Just, why even vote? They don't even <laughs> There's no Republicans no. in California. I'm sure there's I was like, no, I know that they exist. <laughs> I mean, Virginia too. They've been uh, swinging blue the past couple of years, but that's just because one, one area of Virginia is heavily populated and they're more likely to vote blue. So, I mean, it's just sometimes that thin margin because we have like a first past the post, right? If you get more than 50, you get all of the um, votes for that state. So it's not like, oh, you get 49, you get 49 of the elect, like a, you get 49%, you don't get that amount of the state's votes. It's like you get everything if you get more than 50, which is where I guess my problem comes in. Yeah, I mean, maybe we could adjust it in that way. It's like we don't necessarily, it's not all or nothing. Yeah. But, like, I feel like taking away the Electoral College completely wipes away much of the people groups of our country. Yeah, I can agree with that. Just real quick, going off of what I just remembered something about John Lewis, uh, he passed away. Mm-hmm. There was two 
Senator uh, Mark Rubio was one. Oh, we're talking about Mark Rubio. And he put oh. a picture <laughs> of, <laughs> of, of it's a it's a written there. Like, rest in peace, John Lee has a whole like paragraph. But he put a picture up. And he changed the profile picture of him and John Lewis, air quotes. But the picture was not of John Lewis. It was of Elijah Cummings, who passed away last year, I believe. October, I uh, think. Yeah. But I have to Tuffy. say, they do. They do look I mean, alike. Yeah. They do look alike. But there's another one where it's just like just straight up him, like his face and, and Elijah Cummings' face. And I'm like, you really couldn't see the, see the difference, man. Like. I mean, I the, the picture was like a little from the side or whatever. Yeah, it, it was. It was <laughs> but, a profile. But so my right. question is, when when that picture was taken, did you think you were talking? Yeah, to John yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Like, do you so, not remember who you were speaking with yeah, at that moment? Exactly. Or did you? Did he just want it to pass? Yeah, because I can I can understand making a mistake choosing a picture, especially if it's a PR guy who just doesn't really know what he's doing. But like. I really hope you knew you were talking yeah, to Elijah Cummings yeah. in that picture. That's all. What I'm kills say. me is that like a social media team had to prove like, exactly. prove it before it went up. So like multiple people saw it and they were like, yep, like, that's it. And, and then he like, wasn't the only guy who did yeah, it. Yeah, there was another guy. And it, it was at the National, it was when the uh, National African American History Museum opened in DC and it was uh, another guy. And But the, this one was like a straight picture of his face about smiling into the camera. So that's, I mean, that, that right there, that is no... <laughs> Excuse I mean, me. it's just tough. Like, it's there's just, no other word for it. It's like, tough. I don't Dan think there's any coming back from Dan it. You can't, that was you can't make it look yeah. good. You just have to take her off. I don't they know apologize? Where he's from. Like, no I, don't I know. hope so. But Michael Rubio looking like a clown. It's either Sean King. Oh man. Oh yeah. It was either Sean King. Either Sean King or Snoop Dogg. I know Snoop Dogg posts a lot of stuff. I know it's gonna sound crazy, but Snoop Dogg's Instagram. Is hilarious. Yes. It's so great. So great. Like after Kanye said all the stuff about uh, Harriet Tubman, he posted a picture of Harriet Tubman. I'm praying. Said I'm praying for you, man. Tag Kanye. It was insane. <laughs> anyway, so let's move on. So we have let's skip that one, and then uh, whitewashed education. We kind of touched up on this uh, before. The sisters of Confederacy. Oh yeah, sorry. No, I have. I was listening to this podcast the other day, and it's a great podcast. I would highly recommend it. It's the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. They made the whole TV show about it. It's great. Watch it. Listen to it. Um, the person he had on Brandy Jordan. Brandy Jordan. I loved her, by the way. <laughs> she was great. Um, the the thing I feel like today, like in this specific this turn, like. Not turn of events because this has always been happening, but the fact that it's very present right now, the realizing and reflecting on like internalized racism. Yeah. I know I've I've I have been looking back and I've been like, ooh, I've been looking back. This too. has not been great, and I think something that the I know I wrote or Kennedy wrote down. You wrote down the Rosa Parks thing, yeah, and I think you know back in elementary school we were all like like you guys said earlier we were taught like um the thomas jefferson thing the whole like like what am i what am i thinking of here like well i don't know where you're going but i do know that in the podcast brandy jordan was saying how how she learned about rosa parks and like yeah. 
I immediately saw resemblance because she said that she was taught that Rosa Parks just didn't get up because her feet were tired. And I I said to myself, wait, is that not why? And I was like, hold up. Yeah, because that's what we've been taught. I learned that Rosa Parks only didn't get up because her feet were tired. And Rosa Parks, I literally looked it up while you were talking, not to, but um, (laughs) like, do you guys remember the like, who is so-and-so books and it was like the yeah. person yeah. with the big head. Yeah. I looked that up and she's displayed as like an older woman and like she was very young. Yeah, and yeah. in all of her like books or I was like looking at some covers, she's displayed as like an old weak woman. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, then it wasn't as bad that she, not that it was bad at all. Yeah, that it wasn't it so, wasn't uh, so uh, like revolutionary. So yeah. she, it was just oh, her. Like, <laughs> and so we were all taught that like, oh, it was just Rosa Parks was tired. And this person, they didn't, they didn't like mean anything it by it. It was just, it was just a bad coincidence, mm-hmm. and it was, it was not. It was planned. And yeah. So and the fact that we're because there's no brought yeah. her in yeah. specifically. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was like sixteen or something like that, and they have like I think they're called like they call them test case or whatever. Yeah. And so Rosa Parks, they wanted her to be the test case for desegregating buses and stuff like that because she had the look and she was more powerful to like yes. society well, cause, and that goes with the whole thing of like black women being portrayed as older and more gentler and that's like i feel like that's kind of like a stereotype that has yeah. been portrayed as being like an acceptable black woman is for you to be like this older gentile like um, white skinned let's not forget that yeah, yeah. like yeah. Yeah. Coven, she was nice. young she was dark skinned and, and pregnant. she was pregnant at and yeah, that's a hop out and hop back in. I will be right back. That goes into. I don't want to jump. Be back. I don't want to jump into our next topic too quickly. But like when we were speaking of respectability politics and the idea that you have to like present good behavior and present this really polished outside to garner respect. That's what that. That's like a perfect example of that. The civil. I don't want to say the civil rights movement as a collective, but like they chose Rosa Parks. Because she was more over Claudette Coleman because she was more respectable. So what do you guys think about Black History Month? I saw an interesting take from Daryl Davis, who, um, if you guys don't know him, he's the man who's gone in and he's um, befriended members of the Klan and got them to quit. Oh, I did. I saw saw his TED Talk. And so uh, something interesting he had to say about Black History Month was he was against it. I thought was really interesting because he says Black Black history is American history. And when we segregate it to one month, like, we're going to put Obama in, like, February when he should be, you know, American history should be near the end. And, like, there's, like, a set list of um, African-American people we learn about every year. Yeah. And when yeah. we put it all to, you know, one month, people are less likely to remember it because, you, you know, you go on all once and that's all they are known about is because, you know, they're black, they get February. I think the problem is that, like, going back to the whole education thing, that education is still somewhat segregated and we learn revisionist history that mainly focuses on white people as the victors of history and that we don't acknowledge all of like the sacrifices and the accomplishments and achievements that black people have made for America, not just for black communities, but for America overall. And so to make up for the fact that we don't learn about that, they try to condense it into one month because black history month isn't the only month that we have. Like we have, um, Asian Pacific American month, we have Native American month, stuff like that, you know, that they try to basically, because, try to make up for the fact that for the rest of, like, the nine months of the year that aren't um, dedicated to a certain race, we don't learn about it. We learn white history. history. And I, I kind of agree with, um, Daryl Davis, you said his name one? Yeah, Daryl Davis. I kind of, not in that, like, 
I don't respect Black History Month. I'm not sure if that's his viewpoint either, but I do respect Black History Month, but I do agree with him that it needs to be throughout. Like, it needs to be recognized that Black history is a part of American history. Like, why are we ignoring the people that helped build this country, that That were a source of economic security and prosperity for this country? Why are we ignoring them and only putting them in this small box? And it's not even... Well, okay. Yeah. Here's, 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 here's the thing. It's here's not the because thing. they didn't give it because it's the shortest month. They gave it because of Frederick Douglass and right. Abraham Lincoln's right. birthday. Right. So yeah. they yeah. picked that month specifically. So I'll let them pass on that. <laughs> but I, I'm gonna oh. let it slide. Yeah, I'm gonna let it slide. Yeah. I, this is gonna sound pretty radical, but you know. Um, <laughs> but like, flex. I don't see like Black History Month lasting very long. Like, you know, far into history. Like, because really, no. Because I let me tell you why. <laughs> because I feel it. that, um, you know, as like black people and like you know other people that take up the space in the world <laughs> are going to um like acknowledge like you know black success and you know how they've contributed to society and things like that i think that it's going to be rewritten in like textbooks especially now like in this time that we're living right now i think you know with the revision of aunt jemima and all those types of things i think that the textbook is really about to change yeah like um it's and just education in general like, I think that they're going to incorporate so many, like, black women and black men that, have, like, really incorporated um, their success into society and economically. And, you know, what I mean, I think now, um, I mean, it might not happen within, like, the foreseeable future, just the same thing about we were talking about the Macintosh thing. But mm-hmm. maybe, you know, when our kids are going to um, school, like, they'll just be, like learning about all different types of people and it won't be about oh this white person did this or this black person did this and that's why they're successful because they're black they did it because of how they contributed to society not because of their skin color so that was my take on it yes radical but it's pretty it's good that eventually yeah. we won't need black history to have all these different months because it'll just be part of history. the curriculum and kids just won't have to be yeah it'll just be history. History. Exactly. and i think like that's like it kind of like puts an emphasis on the fact that like it's only important to black people. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, it shouldn't be black history because like you said, it's American history. It's part of everyone's yeah. history. Like this affects you too in the present. So I love that you said that because like I can remember um, like in elementary school when we would talk about Black History Month, I would feel like the teacher was really only speaking to me. Yeah. Yes. And I, of course, it was such a long time ago, so I can't remember Sorry. the faces of my classmates, but like, I really feel like, remember feeling like I was the only one engaged. Yes. Like, no one else cared about it. And I couldn't fault them because they weren't black. Yeah. I couldn't fault them because they were white. They didn't have to care. But I think with that tag, Black History Month, we have to take it away. This doesn't only pertain to black people. Yeah, and I think that's like, like growing up, like, Especially like for me, like being in a classroom where you're like the only black kid in oh there, my goodness, yeah. I know. it sucks. Because anytime something about black history like gets brought up or anything remotely black, people look at you. Yes, yeah. like, like we sports and baseball, they all like turn around, and look at you. Just this year, like we had a, like a class debate about like whether or not we were gonna like whether this night we we're gonna say the n word in class, and I was mm. the only person who voted against it as mm. I was like the only black person in our class. Except, I think, except for Jerome, too, which I think we were the only two oh, shout out to Jerome, man. Shout out to Jerome. <laughs> oh, okay. I saw him running around the square this morning. Yeah. Yeah. So we <laughs> didn't guy. say it because I think everyone else was just like, eh, it's not a big deal. But I'm like, yeah, for you it's not. But for me, that's like a big deal because I know for a fact, regardless of if 
you know it or not, when she says it, you're gonna look at me or look at Jerome. Mm-hmm. And that's wow. not, and it's that's not like a saying, yeah, it's not like you being, like, I know it's like you being racist, but like, it doesn't apply to you. And us being the only people in here who it applies to, you're automatically just going to look at me. And I, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's like an uncomfortable situation for you to be it. Man, that kind of sucks. We voted on that in Kearney, and it was unanimous no. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a straight and I was no. like, I was like, since no one's saying anything, I guess we won't say it. Yet. Yeah. And I, I respected that definitely. Uh, I, it sucks because I know exactly how you're feeling, yeah. and it's like yeah. you have to. And I really feel like, of course, I wasn't in your class, but I really feel like there were some people in your class that were like, "Why is she voting no? Yeah. It doesn't matter." And like, we have to make those unpopular, possibly tough decisions to protect ourselves. Yeah. Because the spaces that we're in don't necessarily hold our values they don't reflect how we feel entirely yeah and so sometimes we just have to do what we have to do i feel like now like more than ever i've had people talk to me like, hey is it okay if i say this or is it okay if i say that because they don't know what to say mm-hmm. stuff. like i've had people tell them hey how can i help out with because you know, they because and those are the same people that will look at you when the n-word is said just like oh what does he feel about it mm-hmm. like that but i just feel like now is a great time for everyone to educate ourselves and each other about just all how this just how to educate everybody about what's going on and how this isn't like the first time this has happened this is a long history of discrimination and racism and yeah i think now can i ask you a question just like this is kind of off topic okay do your parents affectionately refer to you as like negro or say like the n-word around you occasionally my mom i i don't say the n-word uh, I've taken it out of my vocabulary. Yeah, my know. mom sometimes says it, but she doesn't say it a lot. So when she does says it, when she does say it, it's like kind of surprising to me. But I'm not like, oh, why'd you say that? But my sister does say it more, and I I tell her don't call me that. And I when she says it now because I haven't used it in such a long time, my skin kind of crawls. I'm yeah. like, mm. yeah, like my mom doesn't ever say it to me or like my brother or anybody, but like. I mean, in, like, instances when we're around my family and, like, they're being funny, like, she'll, like, drop it once, mm-hmm. but it's never, you know what I mean? That's when I know she's, like, being funny, Yeah. and then she'll cut it off right there, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. never been, like, a throw-it-around type situation, yeah. and I never say it. Like, I know we can't, never sorry. Say that. Go ahead, you're good. I know we can't all relate to this, but, <laughs> no, 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 just, just, I think we can all, we can all garner something from, I think, what I'm about to ask. So, like, I have no, like, my family, when I was in Michigan, my grandmother, she'll say it, but she'll say it when she's referring to someone, maybe, like, mostly a man sometimes, but not always. And they've done something not respectable. Yeah. Like, my dad, there was yes. this black guy on Fox News, and he was saying a whole lot of BS. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, sorry. Basically, my dad said it, like, directed him, like, but, like, as a bad thing. Because, like, my dad, like, he calls me, like, Negro, like, affectionately. But it's not, like, a bad thing right. or whatever. Yeah. Like, Negro, so, please. That's how you yeah. <laughs> Okay, what, I was, why I brought it up, because what happened was, I was on the phone with my dad, with one of my white friends, and he said it over the phone, and my friend was, like, <laughs> was, like, confused, because, and so that's why I asked you guys, because, like, I don't think I'm the only one who does that. But, like, I know what yeah, you yeah. mean. Like, our parents, like, they kind of, like, I feel like our generation isn't as bad about doing that, yeah. but then yeah. like our older generations, like mm-hmm. 
they still use it like as part of the vocabulary because like i look at my dad's birth certificate and it still says negro on it like on his his birth certificate and so i mean i think it's like kind of like a casual thing like how we say the b word all the time (laughs) like it's just one of those things that like i think different generations view words differently well i know that my grandma and like her generation if you will doesn't say it that often but like it's I don't want to say important, but like when she says it, I notice it. And it's normally in that context. And I bring it up because I feel like that's a prime example of internalized racism. If she's using that word to denote some behavior that doesn't really deserve respect, then that means that she associates that word with something that's not respectable, a person that's not respectable or an idea that's not respectable. And I'm just now realizing it like as I'm, speaking with you all and I think that's something kind of crazy I think my parents only say it when it's like the funniest of jokes or like the worst of situations like if I did something bad extremes like, yeah it's, it's extremes if yeah. you're like in a yeah. joke or if you're like really mad at something and but they've never like I know I got in trouble in middle school for saying it on the bus with a few people and I got in huge trouble, and I I got I got in even bus. more trouble at home than I got in school. Let's just say that. And Wait, who got in trouble at school? I'm not gonna say any okay. names. Right? <laughs> they who y'all still live here. But I'm not gonna say any names or right anything. But let's just say that, th- that they've grown up a lot since middle school. We all have. But yeah, so um, I remember that, and just how they how my parents always taught me just like the history of, of black of black history, and I've been. To, a number of museums and exhibits and everything all over the eastern seaboard, but um, it's crazy. But yeah, it's <laughs> like eastern seaboard. Look, I'm sorry, what I you say? Went south. all the way to Maine. Well, in Maine and back, yeah, just like Johanna. <laughs> but um, but there's uh, one in Cincinnati is really good. The Slavery Museum in Cincinnati. If you ever go to Cincinnati, it's like right on the lake, and it's in the shape of like a lantern kind, like. You, you won't see it at first when you go inside and see that there isn't like the shape of a lantern kind of, but it's really, really good music. Um, and the one in DC is amazing. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, you, we, you, we only went through half of it because it took, we yeah. were there from like 10 in the morning to like it closed. Yeah. And we only got through like the first three floors. And that was like us going like pretty fast. If you, yeah, like, if you ever go, a lot. you need to get multiple, cause I don't know, you go it up in years ago, but you still gotta get tickets. Yeah, you like, get, it's, it's so hard to get tickets. Yeah. And I remember what museum is it? Uh, the National African American History Museum in DC. Are they still free? Because when we went, they yeah, were, I'm cause free. Because we went when they opened. We got the hookup from one of my dad's friends who works at Smithsonian. It's like, oh, yeah, I because they were free there, for but, like a long time. But the problem yeah. was trying to get them, and so it was like we planned the trip around going to the museum because yeah. we bought the tickets like in January, and the first available date was like July or something. It's like amazing. So like you start at the bottom and it's dark, like pitch dark, and yeah. you work your way up. And it's lighter, and you get to the top, and it's like, and it like goes like through like yeah. time it, progression, so yeah. it starts like all the way. Like, and it's shaped as a crown, like from a African yeah. statue. It's like there's like this statue that they have. It's I think on the top level, but it's like a when you see crown. It, like, and you when you again when you'll see it, you'll realize it. But it's an amazing experience. And they have like I, the really cool like the um, waterfall. Yeah, the waterfall yeah. that's inside, and it's really and that really helped because like I remember I was really mad going through that. Yeah, it like kind of like gives like this like this little like. like, the, like Chance the top floor, like the chill out floor, yeah. when you first enter it, and then you go down, and then when you come back up, you go back into that area, and it kind of like supposed to help you decompress before you go to like the rest of it. I know the bottom is mostly like history, like so rest between slavery, all this, and the top is like culture. So you have like that sports and music and 
uh, athletic, but, but, um, but yeah, it's a really, really great experience. If you ever go get multiple season tickets, multiple day tickets, if they have, I don't know if this yeah, will happen in their years, but yeah. I remember I did a presentation on that in eighth grade. It was, it was crazy. But yeah, that was a great one. So going to the next one. Man, how long have we been going? This is great. I was 45 minutes. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Three yeah, we, we're, yeah, we're, doing three three yeah we're doing the three-hour podcast. So, uh, um, respectability, politics, the good, bad, its impact on race, gender, and class. So, there's a line under here. It said he must. I think this is referring to George Floyd, but like, or any uh, African American when they've been killed by the police. So he must have. He must have been resisting, or he did something that caused to happen, like all that stuff. So. so can someone explain like the definition of respectability politics? Yes. So um, respectability politics is the idea that minority groups or marginalized groups have to present good behavior or um, a positive exterior, if you will, in order to gain respect from the dominant group. Others may look at it as like you have to adopt parts of the dominant group's culture in order to uh, be seen as respectful. And it kind of came out after slavery and after the former slaves were trying to integrate into society as like a survival tactic for them to really prove that they were worthy of their humanity and worthy of their citizenship. And now I feel that, well, I don't want to say what my personal opinion is, but that is the definition. Mm -hmm. And then so after that, I guess we should talk about how we feel, the good, bad, ugly. I mean, it sounds I like, I mean, just based off of the definition you just gave, I mean, that's just the way that the world has worked for a long time. Because like, I mean, even I would argue that respectability, like based on that definition, like, you know, if you were living in Rome, I mean, if you were a minority, like, Jewish people in Rome, you know, in the in the early, I guess, AD, maybe, you know, I know you're saying, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm I know what you're off saying, of, like, just biblical like, yeah. times, basically, because yeah. that's what I know about. So like, uh, it's just like you had to adopt like right. aspects of Roman culture in in order to make sure that the Romans wouldn't kill you, and it, it's like you're scared. It's a necessity. It was a necessity for survival. But it shouldn't have to be that way. Like, it should be, I feel like there should be a mutual respect between cultures instead of having to adopt aspects of one culture right. to please the dominant culture, you know? And so I, I just, like, I feel like that's probably been a dominant thing throughout all of history. And we're, like, now we're recognizing that and we're realizing that we can maybe change that. Yeah. I remember reading about um, in Malcolm X autobiography, he talked about getting his first so it was when it was in the oh, like yeah the hairstyle? like the hairstyle yeah, yeah. so they would it was like lion potatoes or whatever and it would burn your scalp so your hair like it would burn your scalp so your hair would be wavy and it would look white and he talked about how like like it burns and burns and it's like it's removing your pride and your like your hair just and everything like just in your hair alone and he was just talking about how like he never he did it like he was addicted to it like he just kept doing it he didn't want his hair to look black so he could be be seen as a, as a part of society and just how like for years not even just 
how this for years how people have been how black people have been trying to like, talk white or act white just to get a good job like yeah i think one of the big problems for like as far as like respectability politics goes is that black kids especially are viewed as older a lot older than they are both right. black women and um black boys and that is kind of a big problem is that like um i think for like, it's always like, oh, you know, kids will be kids, but, like, when a black kid does it or something like that, it's seen as, a, like, that's a representation of your entire yes. race right. a lot of time. Yes. Like, if a white kid does something that's wrong, it's like, oh, that doesn't represent all white people. But if a black kid does it, then it's like, that's how all black people are seen. And so it's like, you have to be very aware of your actions because you know that for a lot of people, that's going to reflect how everyone is. And I think, like, with the whole hair thing, there's, like, I think the CARE Act or something like that that California passed. Or yeah, yeah, it's like the CARE Act that basically says like how um, it's always been told, like especially for Black women in the workplace, that like wearing your hair straight is like the more professional thing yeah. to do. But the CARE Act basically says that like you can't be discriminated against because of your hairstyle in the workplace. Something that like we've been learning about is like the adultification of Black girls. Um, and like I looked up a statistic, it's like from the American Psychological Association that Black girls seem to be three to four years older than like white girls for being the same age and we like relate in our class we relate it back to like the Tamir Rice thing like how yeah. he had a toy gun and you know what I mean and like he, like he was how old was he like he was 12, 12. He was 12, 12 yeah. like you know what I mean like 12 and they thought he was old. 20 I listened to I listened to uh, I looked up a YouTube video on like the briefing of the Tamir Rice case from the police department and they're like they thought he was 20, 22 or 20 something. They thought he was 20 and they thought he was holding a real gun. Yes. And I'm like, how easy is it to mistake a 12 year old for a 20 year old? I mean, I don't think yeah, it's that easy. Doesn't make but if you, doesn't, yeah. if you have this implicit bias to think of black bodies as being older, more mature than they actually are, then I mean, maybe it's not that hard. Like I've been reading like basically about like how black women and stuff like that are more likely to be raped because of that reason. Like the number of rapes against black women is a lot higher than it is for white women, and a lot of it they were saying has to do with that over overestimating age and then the hypersexualization of black women them being seen as sexual objects more so than white women, just because our bodies have been abused like in the past for that reason. Mm -hmm. And so that's like also a big problem. And our body type is different, but yeah. they think that because it's different, different, it's more suggestive. Yeah. Actually, like we talked about this because my mom, not too long ago, like when we went to Booth or whatever, like Miss Coma would always harass me about wearing shorts to school. And so my mom had to tell her or whatever and be like, you know, you don't do this to a lot of the other white girls I know. Like she's my daughter or whatever. And Miss Coma was like, well, I hold her to a higher standard. Because you know, there's that whole yeah. respectability yeah. 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 Like, thing. Is we're not a representative, is basically what she told my mom. Justification for like, even my shorts, like a little bit too short, she was like, You need to go to your mom's room or whatever. So, um, she's do we want to ask them not to? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we've also been here for a while, very long time. Yeah, yes. we why don't we do like one we'll more do one topic more? and then yeah. we'll finish it up because yeah, it's already, I think we're approaching it's one o'clock. Man. Oh, we've been here for two hours. All right. So let's go with this last one. So how broad does white supremacy stretch? And what are some multiple bases, facets, and 
manifestations of white supremacy. So this goes back to the podcast that um, Natalie and I were talking about. Um, but in that, she, the um, special guest, Brandy Jordan, was saying how, um, like, making a person of color wait in line at a bank because you're trying to make sure that their check is valid is a form of white supremacy. Um, coming down the sidewalk and forcing the other person, whether they be black or not, off of the sidewalk is a form of white supremacy. Yeah, there's this, I like, it's not even an idea, it's proved. It's, um, if there's, if there's a white person and a person of color, the, on a sidewalk and they're coming, facing each other, the person of color will always move out of the way for the white person because it has always been taught to us that they are in their personal space. And it's like, oh, don't get too close. I'm, it's the, the supremacy part of it, or at least what I think is the fact that it's like, I am the burden, which you're not. And the number of times that Brandy said that she bumped into somebody because they just assumed that she was gonna move because they were in her space, not the other way around. Yeah. And, and that is like, that is, yeah. it's like, the micro, yeah. not even like, it's just something that we don't think about. Yeah. And it happens. my question is, I'm, I'm not 100% sure if I agree or disagree with this claim that those examples are examples of white supremacy, because like, I don't know, I think I have this extreme vision of white supremacy. And I know that it doesn't always have to be that way. But are those examples of white supremacy or just like microaggressions? Or, I mean, are microaggressions already operating under the premise of white supremacy? I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily like directly white supremacy, but it's definitely like a side it's of beneficial yeah. system. Yeah. 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 It's not, I don't think like white supremacy in the way of like the KKK hooded clothes yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. It's, 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 it is benefiting the system. But even with that, sorry, even with that, like, do we have to only think about white supremacy in this extreme sense? Or is it everywhere? Is it the small things as well as the big things? Like, I have a great story about, well, it might be more of aggression kind of, or aggression, ignorance, all that in one big gumbo. Okay, so I know Austin was here for this. And we were, it was a few, it was a while ago, and we were part of this, like, this little group that went around and did like community projects and everything. So we were on our way to Griffin to help build houses but it was with a church program and we helped build these houses and we were in the car and we were driving it was like a just like a regular road and you know, through the forest or whatever well it wasn't a forest but it was we were just driving down we were just street, driving down the in street, a neighborhood in a neighborhood and there was a black guy walking on the side of the road and one of the kids well it was the kid's mom who's driving and they the mom led the group and her son who was in the group and was friends with us for years like scream mom lock the car like lock the doors he's gonna come in the car and like he's and he was trying to lock the car while we we're going by this man was just going to the gas station just walking to the gas station and i remember this we all looked at each other well, and yeah, like, we we're just like what like, oh my god he's just walking down the street and just i remember for me it just really cemented. i'm like what if that was me walking down the street you had no idea who i was like it made me really frustrated but then like it is is a sign of just how of the aggression and just how you it like how you're taught to fear yeah. you're taught that yeah it's and i'm gonna bring this up i'm not gonna like be like oh these are the people i work with but like once um there was 
a server and he was a person of color and he refused to see or he refused to see other people of color and he was like i do they don't tip well and you and i was like you're black how are you gonna be like your own you're going against your own people here and he was like i'm not taking them they don't tip well i was like i don't think i'm definitely not here to say you know i'm a little i'm a little white girl but i'm not here to say you're being a little racist but like that still exists as much as the stereotyping the generalizing i think that like i was reading this thing and they were talking about how like a lot of the like internal racism that um black people have against other black people goes all the way back to things like being like a field slave versus a house slave slave, which also normally if you were house slave it also connotated a lighter skin tone because you look more white so it meant you're acceptable to be in the house i have a question do you remember like if there was a skin tone difference between the server and the people he was refusing to see there wasn't so i actually think the people that were seated were more light skin and he is very dark skin but so that i mean i don't know if that means anything but well i think it's everybody has this internalized racism that we have to unpack yeah oh unpacking is like the theme of 2020 please yeah like And the I world think didn't get that everybody feels it. Exactly. Right, like yeah, people were saying really like, "2020 is terrible," but no. Leading into 2020, right, yeah. everyone was like, "2020 is going to be the year of perfect vision." I mean, I think the the prophecy prophecy has been fulfilled. Like yeah. we're seeing what's huh. wrong, what's I broken, think about what's that. terrible. That's actually cool. <laughs> like, yeah, man, 2020 is going to be my year, man, and then. I mean, well, no, so it's a vision, vision, all right. Yeah. Like, that, oh, that's kind of whoa, weird. wait a minute. That took me a second, but okay. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Like, the perfect vision thing. Oh, like, yeah. we're, that's really... we're seeing the country for what it truly is. <laughs> oh, yeah. And this was another, I'm just going to repeat word for word the podcast. In <laughs> 50 years, hopefully, who knows, somewhere in the future, we look back to this year, like this time specifically, mm-hmm. and we can recognize it for what it truly was. And they use this word, and I don't want to use it lightly, genocide, mm-hmm. which it is. And I hopefully, hopefully things will be better, if not fixed completely. That's a big thing to say. But we, this year, it's come to light to everyone how bad things really are. And I think that's really important, and I'm glad that it's yeah. Not that it had to be this way. Yeah, I hate that but... it's taken this long. But, I mean, like you said, peop- I think everyone now is realizing it. And we have to get everyone on board who want to fix it. So that's the one upside. But yeah. you're right. The word genocide is a big and scary word. And, you know, I'm trying to think about, is it really appropriate? But we have these entire systems that are really working to choke out black people, people yeah, yeah. of color in general. And that's, that the, are, did you talk about like the slow boiling? Yeah, well, I didn't, thing. but I think it might be more slow because it's it's not working as in like people, like, I mean, if we want to parallel Germany, like it's not this one person that is trying to direct this mass extermination just like through one step. It's multiple steps, like we have institutions you know that are perpetrating this thing so it's taking more time it's slower but i mean we're seeing the effects like people of color are more impoverished there is a racial wealth gap that is still of seismic size 
Like, people are still dying. Like, yeah. George, the death of George Floyd was an execution. Yeah, it was a public execution. And, and there still are public executions, and we are getting desensitized to it, in complete honesty. Oh, yeah. Because every day it's a, a new person of color getting killed on the streets, and we're saying, oh, it's another one. And that sucks. That has to be that. Like, like, that's like a big problem for our generation, especially, is that we're just like so desensitized. Yeah, I think yeah, they've yeah. seen it a lot. Because it happens all the time. And like now that we have like social media and the news and stuff like that, it's constantly just like we're just bombarded with like tragedies that happen all the time to the point where we're just like, and it's not a big deal. Because yeah. like we were born after 9 11, which I think 9 11 was like, that was like a big deal for a lot of people. And it still is a big deal. Like it, affected a lot of people mentally whereas now like us seeing something like that happening probably wouldn't have affected us as much as it did people because that was like the first like like major like terrorism event happened on american soil but now we see stuff like school shootings and that would happen to george floyd all the time and it's like yeah i mean makes sense which sucks and yeah no it's awful but it's still i'm glad it's being put to awareness too like I I don't want to say I don't want to use like the term good because it's not good. But all these names and all of these people because they're not just names, they are people. And these people have lives with their families. They it's it sucks that there's so many. It does. And there's no way to say that like oh this is good. But for for the growth, yeah, it's like it's important. important. Yeah, yeah. Like I kind of realized, you can't heal if you don't know you're hurt. Okay, yeah. yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that I think that's where I'm at right now, and I'm really, really, really trying to understand how I can use my life's journey to help fix this. Yeah, because. I, Man, I'm 17. I can't. I live in Peachtree City. I can't do all of this right now. Right. But if I like plan my life and make this my mission, I think I can do something. I think that's a good have place a to. Yeah, I think that's a good place to close it. Any more closing remarks? Thank you, everyone, for being. Yeah, here. just thank you. For oh yeah, being. thank you this so was much. Awesome. Yeah, I think we had a really good yeah. conversation today. And uh, real quick, I just want to. Um, Give a prayer request to uh, the Marsh family. Oh, man. oh yeah. Um, shout out to Chris and Kennedy and uh, Miss Sean. I guess I'm praying for you guys a lot. And it's I know it's it's I can't imagine what you guys are going through, but uh, just know that we're all praying for you. And the GoFundMe is going around. Uh, I'll put a link. With the, I'll put a link in the my when bio we, when we post it. We'll put the link for the GoFundMe page. But, uh, and you guys can read what's going on there. I don't, really want, I don't really want to go into it that much right now. It's really, really sad story, but um, I'll put the link in there. And yeah, just a quick prayer request for them. I think that's it. So, yeah, anybody else have anything else to say? Oh, yeah. Thanks again, guys, for coming. Yeah, of course. We'll see you guys next time.